0: So in this episode, I was speaking with Faraz, who I actually met on social media, just randomly, I think through being quite similar people and having similar interests. And I then discovered that he has launched his own fashion and lifestyle brand. And before that, he was working in corporate banking. So he made quite a big change. And what I really like about him is just his outlook on life. He definitely has that get up and grow mentality. Despite not being a get up and grow girl, so to speak, he definitely shares the outlook on life. And this can be seen through his way of tackling the issue of coming out of uni and struggling in the job market. What he did was extremely unique and I found it very entertaining. I'm not going to ruin it for you, but it does show his attitude and it shows a lot about him that he's very solution driven. And I think we can all learn something from that. The conversation then went off on a little bit of a tangent, I think we bounce off each other a little bit and go into all different kinds of topics, but we do discuss discomfort and its role in personal growth, and then we talk about his business venture and how he blends commerce with cause. Enough from me, let's get straight into this episode. Hi Faraz. Hello.
1: Hey lila how are you?
0: <laughs> I'm good, how are you?
1: All good, thank you.
0: Thank you for coming on to talk to us.
1: Thank you for having me on your show.
0: You're very welcome. Could you tell us a bit about you, just a quick one line or two about what you do do now?
1: Okay, so um, I recently launched my own lifestyle brand called Maison de Rêve, which launched in April. Um, So currently just trying to grow that out and get the name out there as much as possible. Um, So yeah, that's a little two-liner.
0: Nice and then maybe you could walk us through your career because I know you've done a few different things before launching your current venture so you could just give us like a walkthrough of what you've done that's led you up to here.
1: Yeah sure so I guess it's not the most um, logical progress in a career path um, so to take you back so I studied maths with economics back at uni and naturally banking was the most obvious route out of university um it's one of them things I guess especially coming from an Asian background there's a few options (laughs) that are pushed to you a lot more than others definitely yeah banking is one of them um and yeah so that was something for me it was something that I was exposed to when I was a lot younger um no one in my family does
0: any I hadn't sort of secured a job
1: or anything, um, and it was a matter of taking it into my own hands. So I, I, I don't think we've actually spoken about this, but I was um, standing outside Canary Wharf Station in Paternoster Square, and where was the other one? In Barclay Square in Mayfair, and I was holding up a sign saying, who wants to employ me? No. Yeah, so... Oh um... my God.
0: <laughs> what made you do that? I think it was just for me,
1: I was doing the online applications. I was sending off all the CVs and cover letters, all that sort of stuff um, and not really hearing anything back. And it was more the frustration of kind of receiving a blanket letter or email back from these companies saying, oh, sorry, your application has been rejected on this time, whatever it might be, and just a standard letter that isn't bespoke to you at all. So you didn't learn anything off the back of that you can adjust or adapt your application for the next company. And then I just got frustrated. I thought, let me get in front of people and hopefully I'll have a better chance of getting in.
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. I always find it really annoying when you would apply for internships or anything like that and you would get just a, you're not right for us right now, but nothing personal. And you think when you're, young, you're a young person, fair enough if you don't have experience it's difficult for them to want to employ us. But the least I felt that they could do was to give something, I don't know, something back that we could gain from.
1: Yeah, a little bit of guidance just to say, okay, so what you're lacking here is X, Y, Z. If you were to apply back with those things, then we'd probably be more likely to consider you. That sort of stuff just to take you forward rather than just be non-progressive.
0: Yeah, totally. So how did that go for you? Did you get any feedback? Yeah, so
1: <laughs> it's quite a weird one because the first, I, I told my friend about it um, at uni, I said, look, I'm going to be doing this thing, do you want to do it with me? So we both went out and um, the first few minutes were really weird and daunting just because you're in a new new environment, um, no one knows you obviously there, so standing in the middle of Canary Wharf Station, you've got people in suits and you think, what are they thinking of us, blah, blah, blah. But then within like the first, I think after that first 10-minute period, it sort of opened up for us in the sense of people walking past us and saying, oh, this is amazing, you guys are so inspiring, blah, 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 I hope you get a job. Or just like words of encouragement. Um, And then it started to feed in, like we were getting more people come up to us, ask us what we're doing. Um, and, And, yeah, so I had my CV with me. I was dishing that out, like it was evening standard and um and literally just after that we were just getting calls from all sorts of companies and collected
0: wow
1: yeah collected like 100 business cards or something and from there it just kind of took off where we had opportunities that were not there before so that these is, yeah rejections were just like in the back of our memory at, at that point and we were just focusing on what was there
0: that is such a good idea i think that's like you've got to be pretty brave to do that but it just you know a lot of the time in our generation people complain about the job market and stuff like that but I doubt that many people would put themselves in a situation like that so I think that's like I like that it's that kind of mentality of like go and get it and don't (laughs) wait for it to come so it's very unique but it's really yeah it's cool.
1: (laughs) It could have gone one of two ways like (laughs) we, we could have been there and like people throwing eggs at us and stuff like that but No, luckily it was, um, luckily it went well. And I think that is the point is that there are always going to be things that um, you try and it can work, it might not work, um, but you have to give it a go because I am the kind of person who would rather do something and know it didn't work than go forward and look back and think, what if I had done that?
0: Exactly, yeah.
1: Totally agree. And I think I think that's a massive thing that people should really just take on in their life is whatever it might be, even if it's like a, a marathon or doing something that you don't think you actually can do. But you you test yourself and you push yourself and you can surprise yourself on what you can achieve.
0: Yeah, I was, I was actually speaking about that today. It's about building. You sort of build your self-worth when you do things like that. It's not just about proving to other people. But if you do something that you think you couldn't do, you kind of trust yourself more. You're more likely to put yourself out there again, I think. Yeah, um, like
1: we, we've got barriers in our mind. Like naturally, the way the human body is and the way your hormones probably act in, internally, it controls you in the way that you respond to your environment. So you've got a natural fear of trying something that you haven't tried before. And you've yeah. got like this instinct that kicks in that, makes you think no you know what I'd rather stay safe and stay within my comfort zone but really the the point where you grow the most is when you're doing something you've never done before you're trying something that you've never tried before
0: exactly couldn't agree more so did you end up getting a job from that day or
1: it was it, it took some time so um there was a lot of opportunities that popped up um interestingly my, my first job was kind of through that where i had spoken to someone on the day and they referred me over to some networking event that was going on where i ended up speaking to the director that actually employed me um so it it did actually lead to me getting a job but not like directly into work within a week kind of thing
0: yeah sure so actually if you hadn't have done that then you might not have got the job that you did end up getting is that fair who knows
1: where I'd be who knows where <laughs> I'd be? like the thing is like there was loads of other people at that time this was 2012 when I came out of university and ah. a lot of people were struggling to get into finance just because the market was still a bit odd there was a lot of people that obviously came out of the uh, crisis uh, in 0708 that were out of work for a couple of years and they had the experience so typically companies would look at those guys before they'd look at us um but obviously you've got to position yourself in a way if you want a job you've got to go and get it
0: yeah definitely so then you went into what was that job that you went into
1: so my first job was um front office in corporate banking um so working with clients and and just looking after a portfolio with alongside the one of the directors Um, at the bank Um, so it was a really good experience Like coming out of uni I I didn't really know where I'd end up Um, I always kind of thought I'd end up in the investment side Um, but it was an opportunity that I wouldn't really turn down even looking back now it was a a great first job to have Um, and especially looking after clients there's a lot that you can take from that even if you were to go into any industry
0: yeah I think I've been thinking about that a lot as well in that because I'm a freelancer and Bernadette, my co-host on the sub segment is a freelancer. Sometimes this podcast can come across a lot um, as if it's pushing that choice of career. And while a lot of people do want to go into freelance work, I think in our generation, um, there is such a value still in, in having a normal job and for anyone that's listening, if they are in an, in a corporate job or you know working for someone else you can still gain so much from that can't you
1: yeah the thing is everyone's different we've got a, a generation now where everyone wants to kind of do their own thing have a business but i was speaking to someone else the other day where she's progressing um in a real estate investment trust and been there for a few years now but she's happy working there and progressing up the ladder um and isn't necessarily comfortable with her entrepreneurial aspect that she'd start up her own business or go into the family business. So it's one of them things you've got to take your own strengths and what you're comfortable with. um, And sometimes it can fall into your lap, like a business idea or an opportunity might come into your life or the whole freelancing aspect. It might not be a choice and then it, it hits your table and then you realize it's better for you than what you were doing before.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think success comes in all different forms, doesn't it? So is that sort of what happened to you then? You say like it falls at your table or was it a choice?
1: For me, so um, I was in banking for four and a half years. Um, I did a few roles across the bank. So from front office, I went into middle office and then I was working in the back office uh, in the finance team for about two, two and a half years. So Again, I was progressing nicely and and working my uh, way up the corporate ladder. But for me, it was something that in the back of my mind, I always thought that I'd work somewhere for four or five years and then end up doing something myself. There was no sort of structure to that, but it was just that, I guess, the initial idea was always there. Um, And then this kind of just happened. Um, So I decided to, to leave banking um, I moved to a um, fashion technology company, and I was there for, I think, probably what, three months. And during that time, I was working on this idea, um, and it was just kind of something that happened off the back of that. Um, and it was a matter of just giving it a go. Um, and I think that's sometimes what it is is you just got to back yourself. There's no perfect time to launch. no perfect time to start something sometimes it's just literally start the day and just think i'm going to do it today
0: definitely i i spoke to um arjun he's the founder of free soul protein brand Mm. and it kind of showed exactly that that sometimes it's not about having a, a a specific plan laid out obviously business planning is good but sometimes you have to start at that point where not everything is in place and it can still happen it's one day at a time it's not always as glamorous as it can seem
1: yeah and I think that's the thing is there's there's some businesses that come out of working and then doing it in your spare time and then you've got it that's you've got it to a point where say you can leave your job and it's still contributing towards your living what like lifestyle or whatever there's other times when you literally just need to go cut yourself off from your income and then just put yourself into an environment where that is your whole life, where you're contributing all of your energy and time to your, to your business.
0: Yeah. Sometimes you have to take the risk. I think when you're not maybe ready financially, um, but if you don't do that, you potentially never will be. And that's what's happened with me and my choice to go freelance. It wasn't that it was all going perfectly and, you know it was financially a done thing but it was kind of that I'm on the edge but if I don't do it now then I probably won't ever so let's just jump and hope for the best.
1: (laughs) And the thing is as well like that comfort blanket it's it's nice to have like it's hard to jump away from something that is comfortable for you but then sometimes you just have to do it just to know what's there and I think it's amazing to hear that you've done that from a point where again you weren't necessarily ready to do it but you've done it as well just because you wanted to live this life that you're living now
0: yeah so from your fashion technology sort of um change in terms of career then is that what inspired you to start your brand
1: so in yeah so in, t- in terms of the whole idea aspect I've always been someone that writes down my ideas. Um, So over the years, for the last probably 10 years, um, so this is going back to like school days, I've still got ideas that I wrote down from then. um, And in terms of things that I want to do at some point in my life. Um, So clothing was one of those other ones are like apps and and different things within the property market or whatever it might be. Um, But it's something that I wanted to feel, especially given my time in banking I wanted to feel like what I'm doing is actually contributing massively to society whether that's local society or going global or whatever it might be I wanted to have an impact Um, so the main push point for me was if I'm going to go into business I want it to be having some positive impact Um, so yeah I think that's something that I really wanted to have and this clothing idea really enable
0: me to do so yeah so do you think this is a bit of a a wishy-washy question but do you think that having that that purpose that like deeper purpose with your brand has made you more committed or maybe not committed is the word but more determined and passionate to get it done than perhaps how you felt in your job before
1: yeah I'd I'd 100% say so I think it's it's one of the things when you're passionate about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis like even if you're going to the fitness world if you've got someone who really cares about it they're going to be in the gym more than someone who doesn't really care too much it's it's simple simple logic right yeah but with regards to what you're doing in business and career sometimes you can't necessarily have that like there's so many people that are in a job and they're not so passionate about what they're doing and for them they don't mind like they're going to go home at the end of the day they can switch off yeah when you're running your own business you and you're passionate about what you're doing it's literally a full time 24/7 job um and you can't turn off from it but i think it massively helps you to keep going so i wake up and i'm like okay cool i can do 13 14 hours of work and it doesn't feel like I've done anything because it's contributing towards what I want to do.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's it's your highest values, isn't it? It's aligned with that.
1: Exactly. Exactly. I, yeah.
0: I don't know if you've heard of uh, John Martini. No, no, no. He has written a book called The Values Factor, and it's basically all about finding your highest values and therefore your purpose. And it sounds very, very sort of spiritual, but it's it's quite practical, actually, in terms of what do you actually like doing and what do you find yourself doing even when you think you you know you like you think you're passionate about one thing but what do you actually spend your days doing and it's this idea that if you do something that fulfills your highest values you will always be successful in that because of exactly what you said it doesn't feel like a grind in in the same sense it sort of just feels natural and you will work harder for for it
1: yeah yeah I think that makes a lot of sense. There's something that I was, well, when me and another friend that were, we were exploring a a business opportunity together. And it's actually one of the things that he mentioned right at the beginning. So to make sure we're aligned in terms of the way we're thinking, obviously our skill strengths might be different, um, but the values are so important. So especially when you're working together with someone, I definitely think that's something that all business people or partnerships should consider at the beginning because, say, if your values and their values may differ in the business, you might not be wanting to take it in the same direction.
0: Yeah, definitely. So, what do you do then now with your brand? I, I don't actually know that much about it. So maybe okay. You tell
1: us. Yeah, sure. So, in terms of so, clothing is something that typically, I guess, especially in this day and age. You see so much of it, especially on Instagram, where it's a very much disposable um, market, where people wear something, they throw it away pretty much after wearing it a few times, and it doesn't really hold. Yeah. Um, and even stuff that people are wearing, it loses the quality aspect very quickly. So it might be okay for a few few wears, and then you literally can't wear it. Or on the other side, where you've got the whole very fashiony side of the world where you've got something that you can wear one year and the next year it becomes uncool after spending a few hundred pounds on what you're wearing
0: Yeah, sometimes again, even months isn't it
1: yeah it's it's crazy like it's crazy to think that people are moving so quickly um so anyway so what we've tried to create is a product that i guess has um an underlying message behind it so the core line that we've created is six different languages, six different words, and it's all about positivity, empowerment, and unity. So bringing people together through the various languages, and it's a it's basically defined by the fact that even though we might speak different languages, we look different or are split by borders or whatever it might be, we really want the same thing at the core of it, It's just everyone just wants to be happy and move forward in their life in whatever way and just be successful. Um, And I think that's what I'm trying to push out with the first line. And one big factor that I've already mentioned as well is the charities aspect. Um, So we've partnered up with three charities so far um, for the T-shirts. So whenever we sell a T-shirt, it provides eye care to an individual in Sierra Leone.
0: Wow, that's amazing
1: and the hoodie and sweatshirt it provides education to a child in nepal for a month and then the caps it's um provides mind with um funding to take three phone calls to deal with anyone um that's dealing with a mental health issue of any sort
0: wow so i have two questions that's that's like a lot it's given me a lot of thought <laughs> <laughs> uh, it sounds amazing especially for someone you. so young to kind of set that up um but how one is I guess how did you come up with this idea and how did you sort of conceptualize this thought of giving back in such a big way because I've heard a lot about you know companies giving a pound or 10 you know one percent five percent to a charity and that's it but you've actually kind of um put it in a way that really uh, illustrates in your mind like what what you're actually doing when you buy that cap or you buy that t-shirt
1: yeah yeah and then
0: two would be how did you actually go about making those connections with the factories um how did you go about building these relationships with the charities and actually making it work for you financially i suppose as well because i have dabbled in the fashion industry and trying to create a brand and it's not easy at all when you've got profit margins and you've got cost prices so i know i've just given you a lot there <laughs> but maybe if you could just break yeah, that down so- and start with how you came up with it and then we can go into the second part yeah, of, that. of
1: course. all right let me try if i forget anything just remind me and will try and yeah. I that question as well I um but yeah so for me again what you've touched on there is exactly what i saw as well so the whole aspect of making it digestible and understandable for the for the consumer so people i feel like when they think the percentage like three percent or five percent or one pound or whatever it's you can't really understand it yeah so it doesn't mean anything to you but when you look at it and you think okay cool so is going to the specific person or the specific cause and it's helping one person. It's like a, a figure that you can actually understand and you can, for me you can follow it up as well. So we're working with um, a school in Nepal for example and we've had these kids send us um, these uh, posters basically saying what they want to do when they're older. So that's around the project of I dream to be. So these kids are saying, I dream to be a doctor, I dream to be a musician, whatever it might be, but like it makes it so then we can properly join the dots together. I've got a big problem in my head with certain charities where I feel like for 50 years, say money's been going to specific causes and I don't feel like the world's really changed too much. So the same issues and problems still lie. And that, raises massive question marks for me in terms of how the money's being utilized but when you actually can see something start in your pocket and then end up in wherever it might be and actually contribute towards someone's education or their eye care you can actually make sense of it a little bit more
0: yeah and obviously what you're doing is coming from a place of you know, wanting to change something—it's coming from the cause. But then, when when you create a business, it's always going to be that cause and commerce have to meet. And yeah. so, putting that into business terms, you do need to like the the way it's—it needs to be marketed so that the customer is still reacts in the same way. They still need to be that there needs to be that psychology taken into account. And the way that you have set up these you know relationships with the charities is much more marketable, like you say. So I'm much more likely to buy something that I think, okay, somebody's getting eye care because I buy this um, rather than, yeah, what you said about the, um, the amount of profit or something that doesn't mean anything yeah. to the customer.
1: And I think we're trying to create really what it is. We're trying to create a blueprint so then other businesses can try and implement similar strategies. So the main reason, a lot of people initially told me, don't use this at the beginning, wait till you're profitable, blah, blah, blah and then start to donate x amount or whatever yeah but for me i wanted it to be part of the business skeleton so naturally whatever happens it's not a decision that needs to be made around a table in a few months time or a couple of years where we will have to agree it and then there's a chance it might happen or it might not happen if it's part of the skeleton from the beginning that's it like that's just the dna of the business And then other companies can start to recognize, okay, cool. So they're doing some really cool stuff there, donating and helping, whatever it might be. Why don't we try and support another charity or do something in our local community? Because really, obviously, it does impact the bottom line. Yeah, But the money goes so much further in that country or in this environment, say, even if it's homeless people in London, it goes so much further further for them than it would in our own pockets
0: yeah and i think it what you said about making that part of your business skeleton that exactly links back to what we were speaking about which is that there is no perfect time and if you had perhaps tried to put that off there would always be you know room for improvement in your profit margins exactly and so it would never potentially happen
1: you're leaving it then for like hope that at one point you're doing so well that really then you can start to think about it like if you have it from the beginning that's it there's no question marks around it it's part of your business a client would not be happy with you then taking it away down the line so you're not going to do it
0: simple as that so so then let's move on to the sort of practical side of it and what I mentioned in terms of how did you build those relationships starting from scratch I suppose yeah how did you make it affordable
1: so in terms of the actual relationships, um, I basically looked at who's doing some interesting things. So I guess the, the cap idea is probably something that was a lot easier because it's headwear and looking after the mind, it's quite linked together. Um, but um, the other two, I tried to look at a lot of statistics around what is the core reason people are still in poverty. So there's two main aspects that I came across. One was obviously education and people not being able to have um, a good level of education where they might be in a village, small village in whatever, whatever country it might be. Um, And the other aspect that was very surprising to me. And as someone that wears glasses, it kind of then made a lot of sense. Um, But basically, the eye care within a country can massively impact the level of education as well and the poverty level. Um, So just to give you an idea, so there's twofold. So students that are unable to see in the class and they don't know what the reason is, um, especially in small villages, they would just kind of ignore it and just maybe think that there's a problem with the child they can't fix um, or it's too expensive for them to fix. And secondly, where they've got parents that are unable to see, um, they can't work the same jobs so they may be at home and the child has to go and work to support the family at a young age.
0: Wow, I've never thought of that before. It's mad. Is, yeah, it makes a lot of sense.
1: Yeah, so when, when I was actually looking into it, then I was like, okay, so if these are the two charities that, support, uh, that we can support and hopefully do our own little bit um, to contribute towards making people uh, better off across the other side of the world, then hopefully that can start to steamroll into a bigger effect
0: I yeah I absolutely love that because I think that is a breath of fresh air a lot of a lot of the time we hear so much about you know there are a lot of times that people do have something to say about the inequality and things like that but there's not that many people offering solutions and you are like very solution orientated clearly and so that's yeah that's amazing if somebody can start this sort of from scratch and find actual ways that help the community rather than just handouts if you can actually fix the problems that that seems way more sustainable to me
1: exactly exactly and that's the thing like it goes back to that core sort of story of having um giving a man a fish or giving a man a fishing rod right so you're either making him have a meal once or you're (laughs) providing him food for the rest of his life so it's it's a matter of actually implementing a strategy to be long term rather than just giving them a food or a...
0: That analogy is great. I don't know if you've heard the other episodes, but we have an ongoing joke because I seem to get an analogy into every episode and you've kind of taken my crown Tick. and put one in there. <laughs> but it was a good one, so I'll allow it. It was really good.
1: Or is it, is it frowned upon in your, in your podcast? No,
0: it's I get very excited about analogies. Um, okay, I'm just cool. usually the one who start them, <laughs> so I feel a bit like I've been outplayed. I've I've taken it off you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. I'll up my game before we next speak.
1: Okay, perfect. I'll look forward to that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, so you sort of built those relationships through working out. I guess you must have done a lot of research to work out what the issues were.
1: Yeah. So once I got to know those sort of statistics around it, um, then I was looking into who's actually doing some interesting things across um, different countries and um, the vision companies called vision aid and they're working with um, a company called vision for a nation. I nearly forgot it there, but uh, vision for a nation. And basically I think it was 2016 or 2017. They provided eye care for everyone in Rwanda. So basically the whole country was covered. So, The way I like to look at it as well is try and find something, especially with charities as well. So try and find something you can solve yourself. So there was actually something um, I was watching, I think last year, where there was Bollywood actor, Sharak Khan, I think he was presenting at some awards. And he was talking about how he single-handedly was supporting every burn victim in India. And I th- the number wouldn't have been too big. I think it was like 40 or 45 people. Um, and, But don't quote me on this fully. It's something that probably you guys should look into a little bit more. But it was something that he took on himself where you could fix the issue yourself. And that story about Rwanda and what Vision for a Nation did, where they actually tackled the whole country, that really hit me where I was like, okay, cool. I need to work with these guys on the next project. And um, that's Sierra Leone. So... That was that one, and it was a matter of just reaching out to these guys, had a few calls, Skype calls, met up with the guys in, in London, and then everything was just signed and, and moved forward with that. So it's um, it's an amazing way to, I guess, take it forward because it's a problem. So we're both looking at ways of improving things. So if I make more money and sell more clothes, naturally, I'd be able to donate more to these guys so it's an incentive for me as a business and it's something that works for both of us
0: yeah and I I think that shows that it's really not that complicated as I was you know maybe making it out it's just you put you put yourself out there you reach out to these people and then you know you get back so
1: (laughs) you've got to compose the thing is you you've got to realize like you've got to compose yourself in the right way in whatever situation it might be and nine times out of ten if they feel like they're going to get some sort of value from you of course the conversation has got to be entertained from their point of view as well Um, but they're amazing people some of these guys obviously they're big charities but they still have time for people that are quite new into business and the hope is that obviously I get to a point where I'm a lot bigger and can support individual projects myself so for example um, with the education charity my hope is that we can start to in a couple of years literally just take a school build it from scratch and support that on an ongoing basis
0: wow yeah that is i think you're right that you have to when you want to reach out to somebody you just have to make sure that you're coming from a place of of support and service and if you have a value proposition then they of course they're going to want to work with you so i think it's more about you're right it takes a bit of planning but it's just looking at the way you pitch in terms of not about what you want from them, but what they can take from you.
1: Yeah. Everything's got to be two way, like regardless of whatever you're doing, I look at, especially when you're in a client business of whatever, uh, whatever industry it might be. um, You've got to look at how you can help your client. Even if you look at the fitness industry, there's, so many different options especially for um let's say protein shakes for example and then i think i was listening into what arjun was saying as well and it seems like what they've done with their whole blend is actually catered towards the customer in terms of what the requirements are for a female body rather than just be generic so it's like a two-way thing if you can offer something that isn't available to your client already they're more than happy to give you the money same with any business conversation if you can help someone and they can help you. Why wouldn't you entertain it?
0: Yeah, definitely. So, what would you say is like the biggest lesson that you've learned throughout, not only this, but perhaps your whole career then, including the times back in the corporate world?
1: <laughs> There's so many. <laughs> it, especially To be honest, especially in the last six months or so, since launching uh, Maison de Rêve, I've learned so much about yeah. everything. So, There's things that I've never done before that I've had to get involved in. Um, For example, the marketing aspect, never done it before. Um, And I love it. Like it's fun, but you've got to be willing to throw yourself in. Like that's the main thing is like, you've got to be willing to literally chuck yourself into any scenario, even if you know nothing about it. And I've had, I think 12 photo shoots so far up and down the country. That has been again, so fun and working with i don't know how many models we're up to now but there's a lot of models that we've worked with so far um so you're constantly meeting new people um and you're constantly trying to adapt and and grow your business in whatever way it might be um but you've got to just be willing to adapt and and pivot in any scenario so you've got to be open to putting yourself into weird situations but then knowing how to come out of them
0: Yeah, I guess you have to wear a lot, you know, you have to wear many hats when you are running a business, especially in its early stages. So, yeah, so so that leads me on to a very similar question. I don't know whether you have maybe sort of already answered that um, in what you just said. But it is, it's something that I ask everyone who I speak to on the show. And it is, what do they think, what in their mind is the growth factor, which the growth factor basically encompasses that trait or mindset or practice that you think makes a difference in an individual um, to making it or to growing to where they want to be. Does that make well, sense? Or have I? Yeah, to that? yeah. <laughs>
1: um, does that have to be one? Because I feel like it's a bit of a, a recipe.
0: I mean, um, yeah. If you want to add in multiple ingredients,
1: <laughs> go for it. Uh, yeah. So I think again, the the core point. I guess it's passion, if especially if you're going to go into something for yourself, um, whether you're freelancing or whether you've got your own business, passion is very important um, just to keep you going because there'll be days where it doesn't go your way. There'll be days where you will lose a contract. There'll be days where you make no sales. There'll be days where you get a thousand no's, um, but it's about literally just realigning yourself and being able to come back Um, And that aspect, I guess, falls into the determination aspect as well. But passion will keep you going where nothing else will. Yeah. I think that's one thing. Um, And again, what I mentioned earlier about being able to pivot. Um, So you need to know you're going to be in different circumstances where you might not necessarily be comfortable. But the person on the other side of the table doesn't necessarily know that. So just adapt to the environment and be ready to change or, or mold yourself to the scene um, to be able to tackle anything. So whether you're sitting with your finance hat on or whether you've got your creative hat on or whatever it might be, um, just playing and understanding and keep learning. Like you've got to just keep learning in different scenarios. Um, but I think you can only do that when you're in a situation that you haven't been in before. Absolutely. I won't give too many away. <laughs> Otherwise, the so recipe is Is that the going. recipe?
0: It's a two-ingredient recipe.
1: No, it's a bit. It's a bit more than that. But then, how many? <laughs> how many things can you chuck in, right?
0: I think let's leave it there then. And you can <laughs> always. I'm sure you're going to give me another one next time.
1: Yeah, I'll throw in another analogy maybe as well.
0: Yeah. Well. Okay. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll brace myself. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's that's actually some. There the are two things I haven't really heard yet so far on the show even though we are in the early days. Nobody has actually mentioned passion, um, despite that being probably such a big part of what all of us do. I think sometimes we try and go for, you know, co- complicating things a little bit more, and and that is something that is simple but necessary on the passion side.
1: Yeah, 100%. It's, it's, it's at the core of you, your sort of body, right? Like, whenever you're doing anything if you don't care about it naturally you're not going to be able to try as hard as you can
0: I agree okay so could you tell us just before you go um what you've got next any any little previews of what you're going to be doing with your brand
1: yeah so in terms of what we're doing a lot of it that people don't quite realize yet it's a lifestyle brand more than anything um so although that we've launched as a clothing brand, there's a lot more things that are going to be falling into that um, space. Um, so when I reached out to you as well, we're currently working on um, an empowerment portal uh, and that is something that hopefully should be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Um, and really what we're trying to encourage is just this whole aspect of positivity and especially coming in Um, to this whole internet age and the millennial generation what we see a lot of the time online and whether it's Instagram or YouTube whatever it is um, there's still a lot of negativity around so what we're trying to build here is um, a portal uh, a brand to get people together and coming towards their dreams and just helping each other and be supportive I
0: I think social media doesn't have to be you know, as doesn't have to get such a bad name as it does and we can use it for for good. And I'm definitely looking forward to being involved in in that.
1: Likewise, <laughs> I can't wait. So can't, thank mate. you
0: so much for talking to us and good luck with the start of this new part of your business. Thank you so much. You're
1: welcome. Thank you for your time Take today. You soon.
0: Bye. Take care. Good luck. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I completely forgot to ask Faraz for, for his social handles. I'm definitely still learning how to be a host. So I have them for you now. If you want to follow on Instagram, then the brand is at MaisonDerev underscore official. And the website is MaisonDerev.co.uk. And I will put these in the show notes. Until next time, girl girls. Goodbye.